0: FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. Good afternoon and welcome back to Soul to Salam Rabbayari Kivin, and it's great to be with you here on this wonderful day. And indeed, as the song we just heard, Hine ma and I am how beautiful it is when we are able to have this wonderful community with proper unity. I just returned from uh, a very unfortunate trip where I got that. Nightmare phone call, the unexpected phone call of my father's sudden death. And here I was having to take off to New York for his funeral to mourn during the Shiva. And indeed, I, I felt the beautiful support from the community and outpouring of messages, emails, WhatsApps, phone calls, you name it. And it was it's very uplifting and amazing to know that our community is indeed shebet Achim Gam Yachad, so united together in this beautiful way. And the question I wanted to talk about today was exactly that. When you get these types of... when You have a a nightmare, a dream. This wasn't a dream. This was, unfortunately, reality. But sometimes you, you wake up in the middle of the night with a terrible nightmare. Perhaps your heart's still pounding. And you are so glad that that just isn't true. And sometimes it's the reverse where you're just lounging around in bed and uh, there's that wonderful warm feeling this really fuzzy good dream that you're having and all of a sudden you wake up and, ah wish that was real <laughs> so maybe the they are real maybe our dreams are actually some kind of reality that we are actually experiencing and the question is should we should we be worrying and obviously I know for myself, I get that cynic inside it says, ah, it's nothing. Dreams are just some kind of nocturnal flashing, or maybe it's just a daydream. It's nothing to really truly be concerned about. Or perhaps dreams are the thoughts that are going on in our minds from what we're thinking about, what we're experiencing, what we're thinking. Others dismiss it as it's just thoughts, exactly that. It's what's in your mind. And you might be Just dreaming, you know, as the word dreaming oftentimes connotes is that it's a fantasy. It's nothing real, nothing to really be worried about. It's meaningless. It's harmless. This has been a major discussion for a long time. And actually, Sigmund Freud himself wrote a work interpretation of dreams. And many people actually believe that there is a deeper meaning to what we dream and In the Torah, you could see that actually dreams back in biblical times was the way God communicated with many of the prophets, was in their minds, in in a dream, a vision in their dream, in their sleep. So it's something I want to talk about for a little bit and find its correlation to this week's Torah portion, the portion of Balak that we're reading. Now, interestingly... When we get the priestly blessings, and here in diaspora, this only happens on the festivals. But in Israel, they do the Birchat Konim, depending which community, some even every single day. But the major big event of Birchat Konim still is only on the festival days when it's sung in the shuls. And it's a tremendous ceremony and celebration. They make a big deal about it on Cholamod of the two major, the two festivals that have a Cholamite, which is Sukkot and Pesach, many thousands flock to the Western Wall, and it is an experience to behold, Birchat Konim, at the Kotel. Now what's interesting is that during this recital of the priestly blessings, there's a certain passage that we say, it's a prayer, shel olam, we call out to God, Master of the World, I'm not going to read the whole prayer to you, but you can find it in your Siddur. And there you will see that we describe a prayer to God asking to interpret our dreams for the good. We're asking that whatever dreams we had should turn out well for everyone involved. So we include ourselves in the dream. We include others whom we may have dreamed of in our nocturnal vision we include others who've dreamed about us, perhaps. And although it's not included in this prayer, but there is a category of halomat dreams, that others have dreamed about others, that you want to protect the, these dreams, these nightmares, if it wasn't a positive one. In fact, in the prayer we say that if it was a bad dream, then indeed God should transform it to something good and positive. And if it was a good dream, you woke up and said, wow, that's fantastic. In your dream, you're sipping um, martinis on a beautiful island or whatever it may have been. And you say, hey, that's great. I wish that actually does come to fruition. So that's the prayer we say. And we ask God to fulfill the dreams only for the good. And if it's something negative, it shouldn't in any way have an impact on our lives. So, obviously, dreams, according to this prayer that we say, three times, four times, five times a year, what am I saying? We got Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuos, five times a year. And you count the festive days here in Diaspora, two days of Shavuos, four days of Pesach, we're already holding at six. Again, another four days of Sukkot. So now you're holding at ten, plus Yom Kippur, eleven, and Rosh Hashanah 12, 13 times a year that we recite this specific prayer. We ask God that our dreams should be positive, should be good, and if they aren't, then they shouldn't actually happen or they should be transformed. Now, as I said, within... We, we obviously see in, in our history, biblical history, that dreams were a form of prophecy. And the Gemara actually tells us that a dream in general is a sixtieth, one sixtieth of prophecy. That's what the Gemara in Brachas, Daf Nun Zayan says that a dreams are some form of prophetic vision. So, with all the fluffy clouds of senseless fantasies going on, there is some kernel of truth actually happening in that dream. And the Torah itself tells us about this, uh, firstly speaking about the superiority of Moshe's prophecy, because Moses, he didn't have his prophetic visions in dreams, but rather we know that God would speak to Moshe face-to-face, so to say. Even though Moshe couldn't actually see God's face, but it was panama panama, it was face-to-face communication. And we see throughout the scriptures, numerous references to prophecy happening in dreams. And in fact, the prophet Joel refers to future, the era of Mashiach, as a time when we'll all experience prophecy. And it says, the elders will dream dreams, and the young will see visions. That's in Joel chapter 3. So... According to Jewish tradition, it seems that dreams are a way of God, one of God's ways at least, of delivering prophetic messages, of communicating with prophets. So why are dreams then, why are, why would you say that dreams are the ideal way for heavenly communication? What is it about dreams that's the way that God communicates with the, with the prophets? Now, there are multiple, there are many commentaries that discuss this, and I don't know how much time will permit us to talk about this, but the idea is that dreams in the past actually were taken very, very seriously, but I wouldn't say it's the same today, because today people don't refer to dreams in any realistic way, and like I said before, oftentimes dream on, right? Fantasy. But it's not only today, I'm not just referring to contemporary, to our times. I'm even referring to Talmudic times, dreams are no longer taken seriously. For example, we see that if someone, if someone comes to you in a dream, actually there's a, a specific ca- case in the Talmud that discusses this. Maybe I should share with you the actual Talmudic episode. The example the Talmud says is of a fellow, who was really distressed because his father came to him in a dream and told him about money that he left for him in a particular place. But his father told him, you should know, that that money was stipulated for charity. The father says in the dream that this is money that has a status of hectish, That means he has stipulates in the dream that this money has to go for a charitable cause. Now the question is, the man goes to the particular place that his father told him in the dream, he actually finds the money there. Does he have to give the funds to charity? And the Talmud says, actually, dreams have no importance for good or for for bad. It says, Those are the words of the Talmud that it actually has no impact. So we see that Within halacha, within Jewish law itself, dreams are actually not considered to have any important bearing. And indeed, this person would be able to keep the money. Now, that is the Talmud long ago. I would say in our own experience, we don't give that much thought to our dreams. So indeed, if you go in history, biblical history, while Pharaoh and Nebuchadnezzar and others, they lost sleep trying to figure out and interpret their dreams. We pretty much shrug our shoulders and forget about it. So the question is, what changed? Why do we see, why do we seem to no longer care about dreams? Why is it insignificant to us today to what difference does it make? And perhaps we could say that times have changed. We have changed. Back in the day, humankind was more spiritually sensitive. Maybe they were more uh, in tune with the spirit. And maybe that's why they were able to actually sense the prophecy within a dream. But today we're not necessarily, we're more steeped in physicality. And therefore, we don't receive the meaningful interpretation of a dream. Whatever the case is, I'm not going to point the finger to why exactly it is, but there's another point that I want to make about dreams, because there are a number of neurological theories to dreams, and they're all based on the same point, that dreams are simply what we think about, or what we want to think about, right, or what we should think about. So dreams are the screenplay of our thoughts, and not necessarily prophetic in any way, Tell somebody not to think about a, a white elephant and what's he going to think about? Yeah, exactly. So that is something the Gemara very clearly tells us, that a person is only shown the thoughts of his heart. And the Gemara tells us actually about one of the uh, Caesars who spoke to Rabbi Yeshua, bar Hananya, one of the great Talmudic sages. And he said, you're very clever. I want you to tell me what I'm going to dream about tonight. And very simply, Rabbi Yeshua ben Chanania told him, well, he says, uh, maybe it was Yeshua ben Chanina. he said to him that uh, you're going to see the Persians are making you do forced labor. And whatever he told him, he actually saw in his dream that night. And, you know, this is nothing too spectacular because, indeed, people think about what, people dream about what they think about. That's uh, pretty realistic of the way it goes. So, Why do we continue to some degree to take our dreams seriously? Why, for example, do people, do we still say this prayer, right? So again, this is something dreams are obviously have some kind of impact, even if we don't take them that seriously. And like I said, we're going to look at the Torah portion this week and we're going to see that indeed, at least at times, there is what to take about serious about dreams and we'll get back to that in just a moment. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Salt to Salam, Bayari Keeveman. Here's a quick message from our sponsors. Pick and Pay Norwood Hyper have these pocket-saving sweet deals just for you. Pick and Pay kosher marinated chicken flatties assorted for $69.99 per kilo. Fresh chicken is just $69.99 per kilo. Fresh Chicken Bry Pack, $79.99 per kilo. Fresh hake headed and gutted, $89.99 per kilo. Catch these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick Pay Norwood Hyper. And only while stocks last, Pick Pay Hyper Norwood, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. And ladies and gentlemen, the Jewish Community Survey of South Africa will be closing next week. That's next Thursday, the 25th of July. This is your last chance to participate and have your say. Go to www.jcssa2019.coza to sign up. For more information, visit jcssa2019.co.today or check out their Facebook page, jcssa twenty nineteen. So we were talking about dreams and for a moment I'm just going to put the dreams aside and I want to just look at something, a particular episode that happens in this week's portion, quite dramatic, and perhaps then we could better understand the idea, the impact of our thoughts. You see, the portion of Balak describes how the Jewish people are marching confidently onto the Promised Land and their, unfortunately, bitter enemies are attempting to thwart their progress. But, as we know, we read in last week's portion, how the giants, Sichon and Og, Amalek and others who tried to attack us were cut down by Moses, by his loyal men, by the Jewish armies. And the Jews acquired quite a reputation on the battlefield. Their fame preceded them. And I think others were quite afraid. And that's why when it comes to this week's portion, we see who Balak, who's the king of Moab, they were quite concerned and afraid what will happen with the Jews. Now, the truth is, the Jews were not to be a threat to them in any way. But nevertheless, Balak goes to Bila, who's a sorcerer, a prophet of his time, on par with Moses, so to say, and he hires him to curse the Jewish people. Of course, we know the portion, how the blessings come forth instead. But I want to share with you something from the portion just to go into understanding what exactly it is that happened because we know that the the curses which he tried to cast upon us were completely transformed into a flowing a flowery blessings and that's what happens but the jews are saved we know that if you look at the parsha from where did bilam get the power to curse us Where did that come from? Now, the Gemara tells us that he was a prophet. So, indeed, he was able to curse. But the Talmud takes it a step further and tells us he knew exactly when it was that God gets angry. That's part of his prophetic vision. And not something that I know, not because I'm not a prophet. But Bilam was privy to that information. And so he figured that that window to God's angry side, which opens up every day. And as the Talmud puts it, it's for a little tiny fraction of a second. So he figured he's going to seize the opportunity exactly at that moment when God would, so to say, be angry, and that would be the opportune time to curse the Jewish people. And what happens? God showed extraordinary kindness because God did not get angry at all during that Particular time, so Bilam tried in vain, and we see that the portion each time he tries, he just doesn't succeed, and that's the way it goes. But if you really reflect on this passage, both if you read what the Talmud says in the Gemara, I'm talking about tractate Brachas, very beginning in seven A, and if you are uh, looking for a good opportunity to start studying Tractate brachas. Well, now's a good time. Um, in a couple of weeks is going to be the Siam Hashas. And that would be the, the right time to start again and get through the entire Talmud in only seven years. You could, you could do it. You really can. Give it a try. Well, the Talmud tells us that we know Bilam didn't actually utter any curses because God thwarted his attempts and change them into blessings. So there was never a time actually that Bilaam could curse the Jews. Because God didn't get angry. So it seems like he had a double trap. That prevented him from actually hurting us in any way. So why did God have to give us that double protection so to say? And here is a very powerful idea about thoughts. You see the thoughts, all those wonderful ideas swimming in our minds. Well, the danger here was not so much what Bilam said, because we know God transformed it from curse to blessing. But it's also what he was thinking. Because we know he only said blessings because that's what God put in his mouth. But what was in his mind? What was in his heart? There, he still remained a bitter and twisted person. And in his heart, he continued to hate. In his mind, he still had thoughts that ran thick with curses. It's just God didn't allow him to utter those curses. And the thing is, the Talmud tells us that actually thoughts have the potential to kill. And if God would not have remained merciful throughout that period, if God would not have been would God, you know, so to say, the Gemara actually says, had God gotten angry, who knows what consequences would have resulted from Bilam's curses? So, even if he didn't actually verbalize them, his thoughts had enough toxic power to potentially wreak enough havoc on the Jewish people. Had God shown his mighty anger through just a little tiny crack, Bilaam, his evil thoughts would have actually wreaked wholesome destruction, terrible havoc that could have caused who knows what kind of calamities to the Jewish people at that time. And that is the message, that thoughts, those thoughts in his mind, had they been uttered and expressed, they could have changed the course of our history. And I think this is an idea with enormous impact because it's not just about Bilam. It's about us, it's about you, it's about me. Our thoughts are not just these flimsy things that we, we thought, you know, just thoughts in our minds. No, actually thoughts are powerful. They have impact. Thoughts could do things. And I think that's a very important message that perhaps I'm not saying whether our thoughts are prophecies or not. For Bilam, perhaps it was, but our thoughts, no matter how unconscious, no matter how subliminal and deep in the recesses of our mind that they might be, they have tremendous power. Just the fact that they existed in our minds, they actually could become reality. And that's why we have the special blessing during the special passage that we say during the priestly blessing, asking God that... We shouldn't fall victim to the effects of our harmful thoughts, of those dreams that we have, that those whatever nightmares shouldn't materialize. I think it's a very important message, and perhaps we'll spend a few minutes talking just about that in the concluding moments of today's show. High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back. So we've been talking about our dreams and why we take our dreams seriously even if it's just a dream. It's just a fantasy. Well, we talked about the idea that dreams are the workings of our mind and that's why they're really immensely powerful. And in the Torah portion this week where we describe Bilam, who just had intentions, just intentions, just the idea in his mind to curse the Jewish people and it created the actual potential for that Desired evil to take effect. So we know that dreams are powerful. The message is really clear that our thoughts are very powerful, and we have to use them wisely. If you go back to the story of Yaakov Avinu, he was very careful to protect his head. When you know, even though what what about the rest of his body? Well, he protected his head because he wanted to make sure that his thoughts would not be contaminated, would not be negatively impacted in any way. And as the Rebbe would say, you have to ensure that your mind is protected, because when the mind is as it should be, then the rest of the body will also be. So I think modern psychologists today talk about negative thinking. Psychiatrists have discussed this, that we can't just pretend that our thoughts exist, so to say, in isolation, that our thoughts actually, they can actually have an impact on us. And you have to be vigilant over whatever thoughts we have. It's, it's actually a, a great discussion by, psychi- by psychiatrists. Um, just to quote Dr. Walter Jacobson, he writes that negative thinking defeats us. It beats us. It creates that bad luck that we will later bemoan. And he basically explains that negative thinking is a defense mechanism to soften the blow if and when things don't work out well. But he says it is indeed a faulty mechanism. Unfortunately, it's not a good plan and uh, negativity, just, just anticipating or, or feeling that something bad is going to happen or failure, it actually helps us create that failure because we, or prevents us from putting our best foot, best foot forward because we sort of tell ourselves, ah, I'm not going to be good at that anyhow and it blocks the flow of positive energy in our lives. So we gotta really realize that whether directed at ourselves or on others, negative thoughts have a real and could actually have a very damaging effect. But my friends, if we are to be weary of our thoughts because of the potential to cause harm, then I'd like to say we should also certainly embrace them for the potential to do good. And there's a very famous Hasidic expression that says, "Tracht gut, that sein gut. If you think positively, things will work out well. People often think of our three, the, what are the three Levushin, the three garments of the soul, it's called the marshava, Diber our thought, speech, and action. And oftentimes, thought is usually considered to be the weakest of them. So wh- what effect can it have on a society? Just thoughts? I mean What difference does, it, does your thought make? You know, could a, could a thought have an actual effect? And I think, you know, Shakespeare said thoughts, thought is free. But based on what we've been discussing today, what the Talmud tells us, we see how indeed thought is in fact a real powerful player that should be reckoned with. And in some ways it could be considered the mastermind that controls the way we, the, the, what we say or do. It's the ancestor of all our actions, so to say. So, we could think of thought as the hard product of the brain's activity. By itself, a brain is nearly useless. Right? It might have tremendous depth and capacity, but it has to engage in thought to see the evidence of what it contains. And when it does so, then you see how thought could produce such powerful impact because it's from the thought that leads to the physical action. So... This, my friends, the thought of Tracht gut z- sein gut. If you think positively, then the outcome will be positive. You'll see good in your life. I think it's a very important expression from Has- the Hasidic expression that teaches us how with action and speech if you have the right thoughts in your mind then it's going to have a real positive result in whatever you do. So when you believe in your heart that God will be kind. Actually, we're told that Hashem will actualize your beliefs, your thoughts. You can have an impact even on God and the way God controls the world. We're told just with positive thinking. So let me conclude with another idea of our thoughts capacity for good. You know, according to Jewish law, and the truth is even basic decency, Halacha says, you cannot get engaged to a woman. A man cannot get engaged under any false pretenses. So I was learning this Gemara the other week with my Chavusa, Tractic And there the Gemara discusses that if a person proposes, if a man proposes to a woman, and he stipulates that he's a millionaire, right? He tells her, I'm a millionaire. Then guess what? If he's not a millionaire then this marriage has no legal validity. Why? Because he's not a millionaire, and that was a stipulation of the relationship. However, the Gemara says, if he claims to be a tzaddik, and then she discovers he's far from a tzaddik, the Gemara tells us that still, and I'm not going to give you the the maskana, the conclusive answer, but at least what I was learning so far, it says that it's a technically valid relationship. Why? Because we assume that every person who makes the claim of being a tzaddik to some degree, at some moment in their time, in their life, if they just do teshuvah at that moment, they can become, they can be a tzaddik. So that's this really powerful idea. It's because in that one moment, when the person made that claim, maybe they had genuine thoughts of complete and wholehearted, genuine teshuvah. And for that moment, they may have been a tzaddik just entertaining the thought the Gemara is basically telling us is enough to legally render this person as an actual tzaddik. So, my dear friends, we have really discussed both sides of our thinking and our thoughts are not just meaningless dress rehearsals for our actions, but they are decisive acts themselves and they can have actual powerful effects in our lives. So, I tell you, really, an action that we take in our minds is as potent as those, or nearly as potent as those we take with our hands. And so it's our choice what type of thoughts we're going to have. As Maimonides says, we could tip the scale of the universe in one direction or the other. Just with your thought alone, you could tip the world in a positive direction. So make sure your next thought is a good one. Have a great, meaningful, purposeful Shabbos carpe diem. And thank you for joining us. Please God, we'll be back here in the few next week. Same time, same place, same station. Shabbat shalom.